Yeah, I think one of the biggest differences that I made in my life was realizing that my profession is not my purpose in life. Welcome to the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast, where we're on a mission to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you're an entrepreneur with a burning desire to change the world, this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform your life and business so that you can achieve the freedom and fulfillment you crave. This show is dedicated to entrepreneurs who want more out of their life, more meaning, more purpose, and ultimately, more happiness. You deserve it all, and it's possible. I'm your host, Robert Peterson, pastor turned life coach for business owners. I believe that success without happiness is not true success at all, but there's always hope for those who are willing to take action. Join us every week as we bring you inspiring leaders and messages that will help you on your journey towards success. Thank you for investing your time with us today. Let's get started. Our guest today is Dr. Kyle Stanley. Dr. Stanley was named the next generation of cosmetic dentistry by the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, the top 10 young educators in dentistry by the Seattle Study Club, and world's top 100 doctors in dentistry, graduated from USC and then went on to complete a dental implant residency and dental implant specialty in Brazil. He is a researcher who has published in some of the top dental journals about aesthetics, implants, and plastic surgery topics. With his company, Pearl, he is changing the way patients are treated through artificial intelligence and is a leader in this field. Dr. Stanley is the most prominent advocate of mental health in dentistry and through his light side community has helped countless dentists reduce stress and anxiety. He maintains a private practice in Beverly Hills where he focuses on implant surgery and prosthetics. Dr. Kyle Stanley and Robert talk about the challenges of dentistry, where even the most successful dentists feel like no one trusts them. Patients are afraid and sometimes hate them. Their own staff can feel distant and then wrestling with the insurance companies to get paid is worse than pulling teeth. He stepped out of the pressure and into entrepreneurship and wants to encourage others who feel stuck by the sunk costs to consider they have other options. Well, Dr. Stanley, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to learning and <laughs> learning more about, obviously, you're into technology and AI and, and some of these, these new leading edge things and how they're going to impact the world of dentistry, but of course, also how they've grown your business. And so I'm, I'm looking forward. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So typically I let my guests uh, kind of share their entrepreneurial journey. And obviously you're a dentist on, on the one hand, but now you're also running a business in the AI space. And so I guess just share that journey. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm the son of a dentist, the brother of a dentist and um, started getting into dentistry, thinking that every dentist owns a practice and that's what they do and practice clinically their entire life. So I, I did that. I um, started a practice in Beverly Hills with a few partners and uh, still have that practice. But then I found other avenues of dentistry where um, there were opportunities. One of them was the speaking world. So I started speaking a lot and now currently speak about 30 to 40 times a year. And then back in about 2016, started to explore this idea of bringing artificial intelligence to the dental world. So um, we, we 
built a, a company around that. It's it's venture back. We raised our own round of financing and now have clients all over the world in 120 countries. So it's been a, a wild ride that I would never have expected in this profession. <laughs> well, clearly, because obviously you're right. The, the typical dentist goes to school, either gets hired by a practice or starts a practice and pretty much does dentistry their entire life until That's they right. make enough money to stuff away in the bank to <laughs> close the doors or sell it to someone else. So yeah. very interesting. Yeah, I thought everybody did that. I, I I didn't even know these other avenues existed when I got into dentistry. But there's well, so many different ways to, to be successful and to utilize your dental degrees and your knowledge. So it's been nice to learn that and have my hand in the laboratory business and the corporate business and research and universities and see all these different sides of this profession. Well, and, and one of the things that I've learned in, in entrepreneurship and, and in this space is the average you know, millionaire, you know, I guess you'd consider millionaires secure, have, have seven streams of revenue. And so just <laughs> yeah. even that idea of, of a different stream of revenue than owning a practice, which is really a job, right? If you, if you yeah. go by Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Ki, yeah, definition in you know, rich dad, poor dad, it's, it's essentially a job that you go to yeah, work for most, every day. I think and, most dentists when they're buying a practice are buying a job, right. which is important, you know, cause it's better to have a job than not have a job. Oh, but absolutely. I, I remember having a conversation with someone and they told a story, and I think the story was told by Tony Robbins, perhaps. But anyways, um, and they said someone was with their friend on a ski lift. And when they got off the ski lift, they said, you know, I just made $25,000 while we were on the ski lift or something like this. And it made me think, because at the time, I was really only making money as a dentist, practicing clinically, and also as a speaker. But nothing was really passive. I could never make any money if I wasn't working on a patient. And um, it made me think that I needed to start thinking about something that could scale and something that didn't require me to be hunched over a patient my entire life. So I started looking at different avenues. And, um, you know, that's where I started to branch out. Yeah, I think, obviously, the, the easiest branch, and I think there's a lot of dental groups now that are coming together and and doing real estate investing buying mm -hmm. office space rent you know renting it to dentists and, and and i think real estate is is definitely a, a pretty easy form for some people to step into and, and and step into it passively right it's not something that requires you know management all the time yeah. um, but not everybody's even thinking of of something in that regard and so very interesting um and so when you started speaking, I guess, were you speaking to dentists? Were you speaking to, what was your, what's your primary keynote and, and area of interest, I guess? Who's your target? Yeah, when I started speaking, which was about, I guess, 13 years ago, um, it was mostly clinical dentistry. So, you know, how to place implants and do smile design and digital dentistry and all of that. And over time, it's really evolved into... Um, some topics that no one's really talking about. So one of those is artificial intelligence, which, you know, because I started my company, Pearl, um, everybody wants to know about AI and what's happening there. And then the other one is mental health and mental wellness in dentistry that, again, almost nobody is talking about because it's so taboo. 
And so those have been my, you know, in the last maybe year or two, what most people are inviting me to speak about. I still speak about implants and smile design and whatnot, but at a much lower um, amount now, much lower percentage of my, my speaking events are those clinical topics. Well, clearly we're going to have to talk about AI because the world has just opened up and been, it's, it's been revealed to the world. <laughs> and we're talking today on, you know, beginning in middle of January in 2023. And, and obviously chat GPT has just opened its doors to the public and people have gone crazy and universities are writing rules and high schools are writing rules. And all these people are saying, Oh, AI is bad and it's terrible and scary. And, yeah. and, and yet there's something incredible incredible about AI. So I definitely want to go into, obviously, if you started working in this AI space that your your business is in 120 countries and AI has been impacting, obviously, dentistry in a way over the last you know, eight years, 10 years, um, mm -hmm. that's that's pretty amazing that, that, that it's, you know, I assume it's working in the area of smile design. Um, what other ways is artificial intelligence working in the dentist space? Because it's obviously not writing your essays for you. <laughs> right. Yeah. So AI is, is working in many different ways now. You have a few different types of AI. You have AI that is looking at um, predicting patterns. Those are things like we all use every day with Waze and Google Maps and, uh, you know, bank alerts and things like that. But then you also have ways that we're using and first, I'm just talking about in general, not necessarily in dentistry, but we also have something called natural language processing, which is what everyone knows of as Siri and Alexa, right? So a computer being able to listen and understand and interpret human speech. And then you have what I think is the most important one, which is computer vision. So computer vision is allowing a computer to understand what's in an image and make decisions based off of that. So, you know, in a non-dental related space, that's just saying, this is a blue cat sitting on a table, for example. And you can sell ads for that, or you can you know, um, target people specifically for that or whatever. But in the dental world, you can use computer vision to do a lot of things. So you know, what, what we do at Pearl is look at radiographs and find things that are happening in x-rays that, um, can now be documented, cross-referenced. We can show areas of interest to a patient or a doctor, you know, look at the treatment plan, see if there's anything that could be missing. There's a whole just large amount of tasks that can be automated once you can understand what's happening in a radiograph. So, um, you know, why do we need this? Well, we've done some studies where we looked at the consistency of dentists. So we had one study where we looked at almost 9,000 images and we had three dentists and we just asked them to mark where they saw a cavity basically. And what we found is that they only agreed 4% of the time. Wow. 4% of the time. And that's with each other. When you look at, do we even agree with ourselves? We did another study where we asked dentists to mark about a thousand images. And then we waited, I think it was three months and had them do it again. And what you see is they only agree with themselves 70% of the time. And unfortunately I have to include myself on that study that I only agreed with myself 70% of the time. 
So what that comes down to is that us humans, not only dentists, but all humans are inconsistent. And, you know, Robert, you know this. One day you wake up, you don't have your coffee, you don't do as well, you don't sleep as well, so that day you don't perform as well. Or, you know, you get in an argument with your husband or wife or, you know, there's bad traffic. We're not always performing at our ideal level. And so when you add, when you take a dentist that is inconsistent, up and down days, good and bad hours, and you add something that's very consistent, which is AI, you can get much better performance out of a human. So we found that any time you took a human reading radiographs, you added AI to them, they always got better 100% of the time. And we were able to get nine FDA approvals by being able to approve that. Well, and it, and it just, it, it makes sense, right? Obviously, there's a lot on a dentist's plate because yes. when it comes to dentistry, they have to do it all. They have to read the radiographs. They have to decide if that's, yes. uh, you know, a cavity they have to decide what the treatment plan is yeah you we're just, prepping we're getting an injection we're doing a hygiene exam we're talking with our spouse we're ordering <laughs> yeah we've got a lot on our plates and, and i mean in comparison right if i broke my arm and i go to a doctor i you know a, a clinic's gonna take the x-ray before the doctor ever sees me a yeah. radiologist actually reads it for them exactly. and so then they get the information or they have a conversation with the radiologist and then at least two of them are involved in in the yeah. discussion and so it's it only makes sense that yeah and added, the, added information gives you more confidence in your decision exactly one of the good things that you said that it is good for dentistry is that looking at radiographs is not all we do because, of course, with AI, people are worried about jobs being taken by computers, which is a valid, a valid response and a valid concern in specific jobs that are very repetitive. You do the same thing over and over and over again. More than likely, that's better done by a computer than a human. But as dentists, that's just one, you know, one twentieth of what we do every day. You know, we look at about 300 x-rays a day. But like you said, we're prepping teeth, we're taking impressions, we're doing smile design, we're, you know, ordering and building value with the patients by talking to them and building trust. So that's what I love about AI and dentistry specifically is that there's no jobs that are going to be taken by, by the specific um, AI model. Well, it sounds to me like, with. well, from my position as a coach, it's going to relieve stress <laughs> because, For because sure. the, the the dentist has plenty of stress in all of the other areas and they have the stress of is that little white spot or is that little gray spot or is that whitish gray spot a cavity? And then mm -hmm. they've got a computer assisting them saying we're pretty sure. Right. And so between yeah. the two of them, you get confirmation and that's, that's a right. real stress reliever because that helps them make a better decision. And yeah, so I could see the know, value. Being a user of the technology and also talking about stress and anxiety and, and some of my other speaking topics, it, it really does do that because you come in and you're looking at a full mouth set of x-rays. So, you know, 18 or 20 images, and it instantly is highlighting areas of interest for you. So it's like a cheat sheet almost. And, you know, you're still going to review your x-rays how you normally do, but there's going to be a little pink area. There's going to be a little blue area or a little green area that, draws your eye to that specific area you you probably would have caught it but maybe you wouldn't have and you know every dentist will tell you that they've missed stuff it happened to me it happened to my brother it happened to my dad you know and every dentist i talk to is like 
yeah, there's times when I miss stuff. And so this is just there. We call it the, the product's called second opinion, just yeah, to nice. be your second opinion. You know, really just to say you're the still the first opinion. You still have all the autonomy. You know, the, the onus is on you. It's still your license, but it's here to say, I'm here to assist you. And you know, I'm here to point out areas of interest and back you up and uh, make you more efficient. All right. Let's, so let's talk nuts and bolts. Obviously, on one hand, you're defending the, this second opinion. How, how is it received? Uh, I mean, how obviously you've been, you know, talking to dentists and, and yeah. marketing this, marketing this to them. What's mm -hmm. the, what would you say is the biggest fear? The biggest fear, the biggest fear is probably lack of autonomy. Uh, you know, kind of this big brother idea. And I think the other big fear is um, the insurance companies using this against them. And we have really focused, you know, I'm one of the co-founders of the company we, as a dentist. We are a for dentists by dentist company. And we are here to support the dentist in any way. Now, there are some AI companies that are working with the insurance companies first and then kind of working with the dentist as a second point. And we've chosen to really try to stay out of that. And we do work with um, some of the clearing houses. And what that is, is just to make sure that the claims that you're sending are clean and you have the images that you need and all of that, but not working directly with the insurance companies, which is probably the biggest fear in the U S at least. Hmm. So insurance companies denying claims. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, denying more claims. Yeah. Hmm. And, but the reality is if the AI is saying this is what the dentist thinks it says, you think that that would make for more confirmation. Yeah. Well, we've, what we've seen is that when our clients are sending screenshots of our images and it's circled or there's a box or there's a little blob around something, they tend to get more things approved. And we even had someone recently who they had, I can't remember what it was. I think it was Carrie's, but they, they had 20 different patients that got denied. They screenshotted it, sent them back. And a hundred of those, hundred percent of those patients got approved. So we have some anecdotal evidence coming from our clients saying that even just sending a screenshot is helping them with getting more approvals for their patients, which is nice to hear. Nice. Well, and so how, how long has this product been available? And I mean, how new is it in the marketplace? Yeah, so FDA approval was just the beginning of 2022. Okay. And really been ramping up ever since then. So before that, it was kind of in a beta stage, a testing stage. So, you know, just last year. Nice. So, so it's really fairly new, even for the insurance companies, although there are competitors out there, sounds like doing similar things on the insurance side. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly new technology, you know, um, even computer vision in general really didn't come, um, you know, come to fruition being used at this level, you know, until like the last eight to 10 years. So it's fairly, early, it's fairly a new technology in general. So getting it into dentistry, yeah, is also fairly new. So, so with your clients on the, I guess the idea that an intraoral photo helps helps patients accept treatment yeah. because they start mm -hmm. to see something. How much does second opinion help with 
case acceptance by patients. Yeah, we've seen a huge uptick in this. And that comes from the fact that we can take the image and segment out colors and areas and make it so that the patient can really understand what's happening. Because I've done this where I've said, you know, Mrs. Jones, you have decay between these teeth and here it is right here. And she's looking at it going, what the hell are you talking? I don't know what, it's all <laughs> right. gray and black and what, I don't know, what, what am I looking at here, you know? And the AI can automatically segment out, for example, this is the enamel, this is the dentin, this is the pulp, this is the bone, this is the caries, this is the crown, whatever it is, and show the patient in colors so that they can really understand what's happening. And what I also like about having this is it's non-biased. So as dentists, we are biased. We have financially driven diagnosis. Whether we want to think that or not, we make more money when we diagnose more. And our patients know that, which is why we're one of the least trustworthy professions in the world, which it pains me to say because I'm so pro-dentist. I think we're, we're all, you know, I mean, you know, 99% of dentists that I know are good, able people, honest trying to help their, their patients and support their families. And we get this bad rap in, in uh, you know, by consumers that we're always trying to rip people off and we're just trying to find more things and, and whatnot. So what I love about the AI is it somewhat separates us from that. It's like, I think you have caries, but also this third party AI system that has no reason to find more caries agrees with me. And because of that, you know, that's why I think we should get this done today or get it on the, on the schedule or whatnot. So it can really help build trust with the patients. And that is something that I'm very passionate about because I think many dentists have anxiety about that. We, patients don't think so, but we actually love telling patients you don't need anything. Right. Because it's a great trust builder. You know, it's, of course, you may not have anything, but hopefully you're going to refer your mother and your neighbor and your sister and your brother and, and, and they'll eventually come here. Maybe they'll have something we could do. But I think building that trust with technology, like you said, um, anytime we have technology that's very visual, that visual communication, people love learning from a visual standpoint, can really help build trust with our patients. So this is just one more uh, addition to that. Absolutely. Well, and, and it, it's heartbreaking. Like you said that, that obviously a few bad apples or even just the myth idea of, well, if he finds more cavities, then he makes more money and he's out there driving a big fancy red car. Mm -hmm. And, and, and yet the the truth of the matter is you like 99% of dentists really want the very best for their patients. They really want them to have a healthy mouth to have have the longevity because they've taken care of their teeth and, and they're not interested in, in making stuff up. Obviously there's plenty right. of people out there with messed up teeth that need lots right. of help. We don't need to make any of it up. Yes, <laughs> true. <laughs> but, but yet that's, that's a reputation. And, and it's another place where you, we've both just mentioned stress and anxiety. We will be right back after this short break. Are you an entrepreneur who started their business with purpose and passion only to lose sight of it amidst the daily grind? We understand how frustrating that can be. That's why we're offering free strategy calls to help you gain clarity on the barriers holding you back from achieving your dreams. 
In just 30 minutes, our experienced coaches will work with you to identify obstacles and develop strategies for overcoming them. There's no commitment or pressure, just a chance to get some assistance and clarity you need. Scheduling is easy. Simply visit smilingcall.com and select a time that works for you. Let's jump on a call and build your business together. It's time for you to add value and achieve your full potential as an entrepreneur. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. So let's go to that other side of, of your speaking of, of the work mm-hmm. that you've tried to do in, in helping Dennis deal with this stress and overwhelm and anxiety from all of these places. We've mentioned the, the insurance companies not wanting to pay, the patients mm-hmm. not wanting to accept cases, the, the lack of trust um, yeah. just in the industry itself. And, mm-hmm. and, and they want to be nice guys. They want to be nice guys and gals and they want, they want to be loved. Yeah. <laughs> yet you feel like nobody, nobody that you look at face to face trusts you. Yeah. Yeah. So how it started was that I really went through a difficult time in my own practice. I was stressed about, um, you know, uh, liability. I was stressed about complications. I got sick of patients telling me they hate me every day. And it really wore me down almost to a point where I almost quit. I really almost just completely quit dentistry because I couldn't handle it. I, I didn't realize how difficult it was to be a dentist. And, you know, I had good training. I had great mentors. I had a lot of opportunity, but it, it dragged me down in my first seven years of practice. And it got, again, I got to the point of where I wanted to quit. So I was looking for people to talk to. I was looking for support groups. I was looking for courses that would help me. And I couldn't find anything. And luckily, I had my father and my brother who are dentists that I could talk to. And what I found was that no one understands a dentist unless you're a dentist. And I relate this back to this idea of, um, you know, the military. I will never understand what it's like to be in a bunker, getting shot at, risking my life, you know, not, one, not knowing if I'm going to see my family the next day. But in a similar fashion, no non-dentist will know what it's like to be working on a lower third molar of a patient that has a giant tooth and a a giant tongue and a giant cheek and can't open wide and doesn't let you put them back and says they hate you and says that they're paying for your your kid's college fund with this $200 filling and all of this stuff no one will ever get unless you're a dentist. And so I realized that so many of these dentists didn't have someone to talk to and they were going through similar things that I did. I wanted a support group. I wanted some support. And so I used my platform that I had that was fairly big with my Instagram, with my, you know, my speaking career to start talking about this. And I ended up creating a community called Lightside. And the, the name comes from the fact that I was in the dark side of dentistry and I got out and got to the light side. And so now I have Um, you know, an on-demand course online. I have in-person courses and I also have a twice monthly support group of dentists from around the world that we get together and, you know, talk about dentistry and talk about the difficulties and relationships and, and everything. And it's really been one of the most rewarding things that I've done in my career is helping my colleagues in this way. 
Nice. Well, and obviously, gosh, the idea that your clients who you definitely need tell you on a daily basis that they hate you or that you're lying to them or um, man, that's that there are a lot of villains in, in dentistry. Yeah. And then I can't, I mean, obviously you have to deal with staff and you have, yes. you have staff that in many cases are, are plotting a <laughs> mutiny. A mutiny of some type. <laughs> because because obviously if the dentist is stressed out then his yeah. staff is stressed out yeah and because you know a lot of um the woes of my participants who i call the lightsiders are stressed out about staff giving raises finding staff members people showing up late people saying things in front of patients that they shouldn't um it's difficult and you know that's one of the things about dentistry that's different from I would say maybe 60% of other aspects of medicine is that we run our own businesses. You know, we, we don't work in a hospital where all the administrative staff or all the administrative stuff is taken care of and the ordering is taken care of and all that. You know, it's one of the great things that we have the autonomy to run, to run our own businesses, but it also comes with, with added stress and anxiety for sure. Well, and it's all stress and anxiety that, you're never, you're not taught or prepared for in dental yes, school. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's, you know, we know that dentists getting out of school haven't even learned everything in dentistry, but let alone how to run a business, how to, you know, uh, be married, how to be a parent, how to, uh, you know, do taxes and how to not get sued and all these different, very, very important topics. That no one's talking about how to so how to lead how to lead a how to lead a staff that has no upward mobility, because That's every right. position in the office is based on education. So right. nobody can get promoted to somebody else's seat. Yeah, and if you just throw money at all of them to make them all happier, at some point it becomes <laughs> yeah undoable because you only have so many resources. That's right. Yep, you get it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's. It, it, it's a very unique position to throw somebody in. And, and the truth is that they became dentists most likely either obviously because of family connections, but really ultimately because they want to help people. That's right. And yeah. And I think that's the hardest point is at least for me, I love helping people. I love getting them out of pain. I love, you know, increasing their aesthetics and making them more comfortable and making them healthier but it was like, at what cost? And it came to the point of where I was giving, giving, giving to my patients. And I had nothing left to give when I got home. So my family and my friends and my neighbors were all suffering because I had given everything to my profession. And that's a pretty high price. It's a very high price. And with dentistry, you know, we're 17 times more likely to commit suicide than a non-dentist. We are twice as likely to suffer from anxiety, depression, and panic disorder. Over 90% of us have chronic musculoskeletal pain. So it's a hard job. And I think the hardest thing is that we make fairly good money. And so a lot of dentists are in this stage where it's kind of the golden handcuffs where they make good money, so they don't want to change anything, but they're 
they're, they're suffering with their back and their neck and, you know, their team members and, you know, maybe they're getting sued or they're being extorted. I mean, it's happened to more than I'd like to say. Well, and, and, and just the idea that they're self-extorting in, in many yeah. ways, right? That they, yeah. They've got a number and they've got to get to that number and then they can sell this whole thing and get out from under it and retire right. in Mexico in their mind. And yeah. the problem is by the time that happens, they've got two ulcers, they've had a heart attack and, yes. and they've got high blood pressure. And by the time they quit, they're no longer in any shape to travel anywhere. Right. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. So obviously we've mentioned a lot of, a lot of unique situations. Your support group is, is, is really powerful. What else gives them some freedom and can help them not feel like they're handcuffed for these next 10, 15 years they need to run their practice? Yeah. I think one of the biggest differences that I made in my life was realizing that my profession is not my purpose in life. Oh, so, so good. So many of us dentists, you know, it takes a long time to be a dentist. You have to do good in high school to get into college. You have to do good in college to get into dental school. You have to do well in dental school to take your boards or get into residency or whatever. And it's kind of drilled into us, you know, pun intended, that you are Kyle the dentist. And unfortunately, when we align our profession with our purpose in life, and it's a profession like ours where you're bound to fail. And what I mean by that is, a crown's going to come off or a patient's going to want their money back or a team member's going to quit, you know, the day before you have a super busy day or uh, th there's going to be these, these micro failures that happens. Your whole self-worth will drop if you align your profession with your purpose. And that was really my fault. That was what I did. I was Kyle the dentist. I was Dr. Stanley 24 seven. And so when I had these, difficulties when I had these failures I thought that I wasn't worth anything and what I had to realize was that my true purpose in life was to be a husband to be a father to be a neighbor to help others and I can love dentistry I can be passionate about dentistry but it's what I do it's not who I am that's so so good my wife works with empty nest women in the same area that mm -hmm. their identity as a mother is not their purpose and, and they have to yeah. discover their purpose. It's the very first thing we, we do when we bring on a dental client is, yeah. is to help them find a mission and purpose outside right. of I fix teeth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because, because obviously you fix teeth, but, but the team needs a mission. The team needs a purpose. You need to be making an impact in the community that, right that your hygienist, your, your, your receptionist, your assistant, everybody can buy into that. All of you are helping accomplish this, this mission and this purpose because, because they all want to be doing something that matters too. That's and they right. don't want to just be working for a dictator that says, do this, do this, do this, do this. Nobody wants that kind of job. And, yeah. and no dentist really wants to be that kind of dictator, but they feel the pressure of being, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Kyle, the dentist mm -hmm. who has to have this practice that puts on this impression and, yeah. and that dictatorial becomes the only thing they know how to do typically because they haven't been taught how to lead a team and how to bring people together and how to have healthy relationships in the office to, to help. But it all starts with purpose. Yeah, exactly right. 
Oh, so good. So good. So once they, once they can untie themselves from being the professional, I, I'm a firm believer in the work I've done with, with other entrepreneurs. Our primary driver is what is the life that you want? And then mm-hmm. let's design the business to support it. And mm-hmm. obviously dentists make enough money that, that they can do that if they choose to. Yeah. But sometimes they get caught up in the empty chair and in mm-hmm. the empty chair and they look at the empty chair. Like you said earlier, you know, when you first made this leap, you realized that your entire life is tied to that chair. If yeah. there's not somebody in that chair, you're not making any money. And then you're in exactly. freak out mode because you got to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, if you design your business in a more holistic way, you can take your focus off the empty chair and focus on the life that you really want mm-hmm. as a father, as a husband. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and even the number of hours that you want to work in a week versus I'm a slave to the chair because now the chair is driving the business and I got to get yeah. to that certain number. So, so how do you help people transition that, that idea? Yeah, it was a, it was a topic that I was just having with a bunch of friends this weekend was how do we make ourselves not dependent on our hands? Mm. Uh, even though we love to work with our hands, you know, we enjoy that, but um not having that dependence on there. And I think it's a difficult one for dentists because, you know, the easy answer is get an associate, you know, duplicate yourself, train this person. Um, But it's difficult in the sense that what if that person leaves then? You know, what if you take all this time, you train this associate and they leave? Or I think what's even more difficult for us is, giving somewhat of autonomy away, meaning, wait, what if they don't use the right rubber dam that I use? Or what if their margin isn't 0.3 and it's 0.4? And I mean, we get so nitty gritty and we're so anal about so many details that we have a hard time letting that go. And I think that is where you have to make the decision on, are you going to be a slave to this profession? Or are you going to reap the benefits from this profession and allow this other, let's say you're training another dentist in your practice, allow them to learn and allow them to make mistakes and be there and nurture them so that they can turn into this great dentist. And remember that you weren't great when you first started either. So, um, so much in that. I love, I love that. So obviously dental school is an art. Dentistry is, is, is an art and, the majority of dentists go through dental school and they come out perfectionists and, yes. and they've been taught to try to be perfect in, in you know, treating all of the things that need treated in, in making yeah. everything look aesthetically beautiful in having perfect margins and having these, these perfect standards. Yeah. And the interesting thing is entrepreneurship is the complete opposite. <laughs> exactly entrepreneurship, right. entrepreneurship yeah. requires you to take risks and to, yeah. to do stuff that nobody else is doing and to, to say, wow, how can a computer help us read an x-ray and <laughs> to ask questions that are completely different. And so we need to help dentists continue to be perfectionists in their dental practice, right? In, 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 the, in the clinical act of dentistry and yet find the freedom to take some risks in business and do some things differently in business that mm-hmm. don't have to be perfect. In fact, right. if you try to be perfect, you'll, you're just holding everything back. And, and most dentists are probably holding their team back. They're, they're yeah. holding their team back from talking to their patients. They're holding their team back from, from making 
from giving them ideas that would lead to better acceptance of their cases, to better communication with their patients. I mean, I think the majority of that perfectionist dentist inside them holds them back from being really good entrepreneurs. Yeah, it's so true what you said. And I think that's why there's not a large amount of great entrepreneurs that are dentists, <laughs> large amount of great dentists, but most of them aren't great entrepreneurs. And there's a small amount of great entrepreneurs and many of those people are not good dentists. So it's, it's so hard for us because we want to be that detail oriented, great dentist, but we also want that autonomy and freedom. And we have that drive to be an entrepreneur and it's a struggle, you know, for me, it, it was a struggle as well, but I think you have to make the decision at some point in your life that I can still be a good dentist or I can still be a dentist in general. Cause I think that's also a problem is that whole idea of our, our um, profession defining us. And people think like, Oh, if, if, if you're not practicing five days a week, you're not a dentist. Or if you're not practicing <laughs> three days a week, you're not a dentist. Or if you don't own your own practice, you're not a dentist or something like this. And you know, it's really not the case. That's interesting. I, I come out, of ministry and have a ministry background and, and, and it's similar. People ask, are you still a pastor? I'm well, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Right. Nobody, nobody took, nobody took my organization away. away. You yes. know, I, I chose to become an entrepreneur, but I've still, yeah. I still did all the things, you know, nobody's right. taken away my toys. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. 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 I was just talking to a, um, a, a, I was going to say a kid, but, a someone in college and they were saying, you know, should I be a dentist? And one of the things I said was one of the great things about getting a degree, like a doctorate is they can't take it away from you, you know, is you'll always be a doctor. Now, maybe you don't have your license or something. They can't take that away license. from you. That, that can but, for sure. you know, when you go to the airport, they're still going to say Dr. Stanley. And, you know, and then when you check into a hotel, they're still going to say Dr. Stanley. And there's something to be said about that. Absolutely. All right, you mentioned obviously your your support group, and I think maybe for those dentists and entrepreneurs listening, um, that's one of the biggest things in my world is this lack of connection, and they mm -hmm. feel like they're out on an island. Yes. They're supposed to be the expert. They're supposed to be the one that knows all the answers, and and there, there's an unwillingness to ask for help because mm -hmm. they feel like they. I'm just supposed to know this. I, I'm smart enough. I, I'm smart enough to be a really good dentist. I'm smart enough to figure this out. I should, I should know, right. I should, yeah. I should be able to get this. And yet they just need a connection. They just yeah. need a willingness to ask somebody else for an opinion yeah. for, for, Hey, what do you think? Or so let's talk a little bit about the value of connection and, and what you've seen in the doctors that you've connected with and, and created opportunities for them to just, be human, be authentic. Yeah. So, you know, with light side dentistry, I think that's one of the best things is that I, I see the most vulnerability that I've ever seen in anywhere in dentistry is we have people that there's no bullshit, you know, it's just like, this is what's happening. This is, uh, you know, not everything is great in my life. Not all my cases work, not all my staff members show up on time. And once you have that vulnerability, you're really seen by everybody else as having this great uh, courage. 
And so it allows other people to say, you know, he or she's being so courageous. I'm going to share my difficulties as well. And when you feel understood, because that was what I wanted when I was at my really dark time was I just wanted to feel understood and like there was nothing wrong with me because I was like, why is everyone, every other dentist I know is, is rich and they're like, uh, their practices are amazing and, you know, they have, they have all this stuff going for them and they never have complications and none of their implants fall out and this kind of stuff. And, and the real story is that that's happening to everybody but nobody's talking about it. And and the limiting Everybody. belief in your head is is really holding you back from even telling someone else that, man, right. I had a crown fall off. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Everybody else is like embarrassing. <laughs> you know, it's embarrassing. No one wants to talk about their failures, their complications. But once you do and you connect on that level, wow, it's amazing what conversations you get to. And mm. so for me, you know, our, our we call it the Light Side Club. That's really our support group. It's again, like I said, it's one of the most powerful things I've done in dentistry and real human connection. And what's also cool is we have people from the US, Canada, Belgium, France, I mean, Australia, all over the world. And we all go through the same things. That's so good. I mean, obviously, there's so much isolation already yes. taking place just in the fact that you've made a decision to own your own practice and just mm -hmm. in the fact that you've made the decision to, to, to have your own employees. And, and, yeah. and those decisions alone should not be a requirement for isolation. That should not, that's not a rule. There's nowhere that says a dentist that works alone can't talk to any other dentist. He's no longer uh -huh. allowed to have any connections. And, and then of course that limiting voice in your head tells you, Oh, man, you messed up that case and you messed up that case. And all you think about is all these negative things rather than the 99.5% of the cases that you did great. Yep, and exactly and, right. And without a way to let go of those things, you can get caught up in that negative space. And, and you've mentioned so many of the things that are the villains, right? The, but a dentist doesn't need to be his own villain. No, because he's already got enough villains. That's true. <laughs> he or she yeah. has enough villains chasing after yeah. him <laughs> between the insurance company and the staff and the patients that hate him. Whoo, no wonder. And, and they feel stuck because they got a degree in dentistry that they, you know, owe somebody a couple hundred thousand dollars for. And, right. and, and, and then they build out a practice and owe somebody else a couple hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yep. And, and they feel like a slave to their own dream. Yeah, that was me for sure. It's become a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. So obviously you've become a mentor for other dentists. How have mentors helped you? You mentioned your dad and your brother and the opportunity that you have to reach out to them and, and have that mentorship with them. How have other mentors helped you either on the dental side or this, this great entrepreneurial leap that you've made? Mm -hmm. Yeah, My entire life is... Um, there's, there's nowhere I would be without my mentors. I mean, I've had some amazing mentors in dentistry, outside of dentistry, really giving me the shortcuts, giving me those little tips that you didn't even ask for, you know, that you're just walking on the street with one of your mentors and they throw out, hey, you know, when you're doing this, make sure you never do that or make sure you always do this. And gosh, that has really propelled me um, in my career from... Um, you know, early advices from, you know, my, one of my first dental mentors, Pascal Manier, to 
um, you know, surgical advice and business advice from my other mentor, Sasha Jovanovic, and then um, personal and speaking tips from Christian Coachman. I mean, I can't thank my mentors enough. And, you know, that includes my father and my brother. Um, I, I remember early in college, I remember people saying, like, find your mentors and define your mentors. And I didn't even know how you do that. But it just happened. You know, you find people that you connect with on a personal level that you can also bring some value to them, I think is important. So it's not a one-way relationship that you can bring value to them. They can bring value to you. And if you connect outside of the profession, I think that's important. For me, all of my mentors are, they're all men in my case, but not on purpose. But we can all, we hang out, you know, we can go have a barbecue or we can go to the beach or we can, you know, wherever, go in the pool at the hotel or wherever, wherever we are around the world and just hang out and not even talk about dentistry or not even talk about our profession. And I think that's so important. Oh. It's a general human connection that comes with um, tips and tricks and shortcuts. And friendship. For sure. And that is that, you know, that human connection, that's so important. There's a, a very long, I think it's now like 60 years old, um, or maybe more, maybe it's 70 years old, Harvard study that shows that the happiest people are the ones that have the deepest connections. Mm, Not the people that, that um, you know, have the most money or have the most notoriety or any of this, but really have long-term, deep uh, connections with other humans. Mm. Dr. Stanley, this has been fantastic. So typically end every episode with you sharing your words of wisdom to those young dentists that are maybe into practice and, and growing a business, what would you share? Yeah, I would just say that there's so much opportunity in dentistry and it's not all in clinical dentistry. You can have a successful opportunity in clinical dentistry, but there's also in tech and in speaking and in consulting and innovation. And I think the last advice I would give that I already gave was, don't align your purpose with your profession. Mm. So good. Dr. Stanley, thank you so much for, for joining me today. This has been a fantastic conversation. I'm truly blessed. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode brought to you by the power of intentional decisions that lead to massive action. Those aren't just buzzwords. They're qualities that can help you take control of your life and build a successful business. To support you on this journey, we're offering you our most popular survey to help you establish a baseline. Visit enjoybizlife.com to check it out and take the first steps towards changing your life and business. We often make things more complicated than they need to be, losing sight of what's truly important. This tool will help you refocus on what matters most so that you can start doing the things you've always wanted to do, like spending quality time with loved ones. And if you enjoyed this episode, please show us some love by liking, subscribing, or leaving a review. But most importantly, share it with someone who needs to hear it. In our next episode, Jordan Mendoza is a go-getter and he talks about making connections and building his following on LinkedIn in only 18 months. He shares the three gifts he took out of 2020 and how he's helping others incubate their dreams and get good at their craft.